This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Rabbi Shahli Sadri, we are Sili Amri, Wahlul Ukdata Milisani of Kahukoli, Wallahuma Thabitna in the Mauti Bila Ilaha Illallah, Wallahuma Jalla Mina Ladina Amanu, Wahamil Salihat, Watawasa Bil Haq, Watawasa Bil Sabr, Amin Yarabal Alameen. I have two agendas for the khutbah today. One, I wanted to talk about an ayah that belongs to Surah Al-Baqarah for a very particular reason given the occasion of Ramadan. But before that, I wanted to share with you just a small bit of encouragement uh, as the month of Ramadan comes to a close. Two-thirds of it is already over. We are approaching the last ten nights. And I wanted to actually, uh, first of all, acknowledge that there are two kinds of audiences in the Jumu'ah and also at large in the Muslim community. There are those that are very motivated to do worship, they take extra measures to make the most of Ramadan, and even they start running out of energy, you know, 20 days in. And the, the kind of enthusiasm that was there to make it to the masjid, to pray, uh, to pray in jama'ah, or to recite more Qur'an, it starts, the, the fuel starts running out a little bit. And that's understandable. And a lot of times to encourage that group of people, we're told of the fada'il of Ramadan, how the Prophet ﷺ encouraged these extra acts of worship, how we're supposed to find the last, you know, Laylatul Qadr in the last 10 nights, and all of these things, which are all very valid and powerful and beautiful things. But there's another audience. There's another audience of Muslims, a very large population of Muslims, that is so far from the religion of Allah, that for them to even give up alcohol in the month of Ramadan is a big deal. They're that far away from Allah Azawajal. And many of those people belong in your families. Many of those people are cousins or friends of yours, that are just really, really far from the deen of Allah. This is the month that Allah revealed a, a word of His that transformed the entire world. So don't underestimate the power of change that the Qur'an is capable of, and that is, capable, that is possible inside of this month. So as we approach these last 10 days, the one thing I want to remind all of you of, those of you that are eager to make the most of it, yes, in, inshallah ta'ala, do increase your recitation. Do increase your acts of worship. Make more dua in these last 10 days. Try to find the energy and motivate yourself. But equally important, Reach out to people in your own circles that have been, that you know have been far away from deen. And even if you're not gonna preach to them or give them a khutbah or WhatsApp them a video or something, just to have a kind word with them. Just to invite them over for an iftar just once. And just to, just to have them see you pray, even if you don't tell them to pray. Just the fact that they got to see you pray. That's a responsibility we have as Muslims, is to actually soften the hearts of other Muslims. Instead of increasing our harshness towards them, or our frustration towards them, or worse yet, just to give up on them. This is the time where Allah Azawajal would not give up on a people that were lost in shirk for thousands of years, that had taken his Kaaba and surrounded it by idols, and Allah has hope in them. Allah has hope in them. Two-thirds of the Qur'an is revealed onto them directly, the Quraysh, and most of them haven't even budged from their position. As a matter of fact, they've been, become more aggressive in their position. And yet, Allah does not punish them yet. He still gives them more opportunity. So this is a book, and this is a master, this is a Rabb, who is extremely merciful. When he says, Ar-Rahmanu Allam Al-Qur'an, we learn that the sharing of the Qur'an is actually inspired by one of the most powerful names of Allah, the name that is full of love, mercy, and care. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be able to be ambassadors of this loving, caring God, this 
this Ar-Rahman. Two others, especially starting with our own Muslim families, our own cousins, our own extended, you know, relatives, you know, friends, colleagues, people like that. So this is a time for you to do that, inshallah ta'ala. And I pray that Allah Azza wa Jal softens the hearts of the Muslims and brings them back towards His book and the sunnah of His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa In any case, Ramadan is a time also where Allah Azza wa Jal decided to reveal some very timeless guidance that will that that is relevant especially for a religious community you know people who follow or practice a religion they have their own kind of psychology as a matter of fact it's even studied in western universities under the title of religious psychology now and there is quite a bit of religious psychology in the quran uh, especially highlighting the behavior of the nation that was given religion for millennia, for, for thousands of years before us, the Israelites, the children of Israel. Allah Azza wa Jalla describes a lot of the different diseases that they suffered from, psychological, spiritual, intellectual diseases. And we're told about those diseases, so we avoid them. One such disease that I want to highlight to you that we're supposed to be mindful of, is that a person can be very religious in their rituals. So they're extremely practicing when it comes to their prayer, when, when it comes to their recitation, when it comes to their fasting, when it comes to their observance of halal food and haram food, they're extremely, extremely strict. And they're very observing. But when it comes to financial matters, business dealings, when it comes to loans, when it comes to, you know, partnerships, these are the kinds of things in which you find a completely different personality. The same guy, the same woman, who's extremely observing in many rituals of worship, they're extremely religious from the appearance of things, and from the ibadat side of things. But when you look at their mu'amalat, their dealings with people, especially financial dealings, it's a completely different story. It's the same guy who's reciting Qur'an with perfect tajweed, and then the guy who he owes money to is calling him, and he's sending them to voicemail. Right? There's a, there's a kind of a schizophrenia going on here. There's a dual personality going on in which you observe the law and you want to please Allah through, you know, worship. And you want to please Allah through Ramadan. But you don't want to please Allah by fixing your money matters. And so what Allah does in Surah Al-Baqarah, as these six ayat, these, or seven even, ayat, from like 180 to 186, this passage that's dedicated to the, to Ramadan. The immediate next instruction, right after Ramadan, after all the ayat of Ramadan are done, the immediate next instruction is the ayah I recited before you. Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِنِ وَتُدْلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّانِ لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِالْإِثْمِ وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ A rough translation is difficult, but I'll try anyway. Don't, Allah says to the Muslim community, don't consume your monies among each other using falsehood or without purpose. There's two implications there. Bilbatil. وَتُدْلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ And don't use these monies to draw in and to re- reel in using those monies the rulers. Meaning judges and things like that. Don't corrupt them using your money. That's one implication. لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِالْإِثْمِ So you end up consuming a huge chunk, a separated chunk, from among the people's money, public funds, if you will, sinfully. وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ And you well know. This ayah actually has a progression of corruption. It starts with some basic level of corruption, and it progresses and progresses until it gets to a level of corruption that can even destroy an entire society. So I wanted to actually highlight this to you, because in the sequence of the ayat of the Qur'an, first Allah talked about Ramadan. Then there's this strange ayah that talks about finances, out of nowhere. And then the next ayah is actually about Hajj. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْأَهِلَّةِ قُلْ هِيَ مَوَاقِيتُ لِلنَّاسِ وَالْحَجِّ It's actually about the Hajj. So two of the major pillars of our religion, Ramadan 
and Hajj are there, and in between them is this thing about take care of your money matters. Why is that important? The first of all, understand the sequencing. Something's about the sequencing. Ramadan is supposed to build in you a consciousness of Allah, a presence of Allah in your life. That's what Ramadan is supposed to do. And if you recognize that taqwa of Allah, you protect yourself from making Allah unhappy, then you won't just have taqwa of Allah when you're fasting or when you're, you know, when you're praying or when you're inside the masjid, you will have taqwa of Allah when you do business. That taqwa will actually extend. Just like our fasting extends to everything you do throughout the day. It's actually a training that that consciousness of Allah, just like that hunger and that thirst extends the, the entire day, that taqwa of Allah should extend the entire, all of, all of your activities, especially financial ones. And then as you've cleaned up your money, and you're no longer consuming or spending corrupt money, now is time to talk, for you to talk about going to Hajj. Because you shouldn't be going to Hajj with corrupt money. And by the way, that's another psychological disease. There are people who have no shame earning shady money. And then going to Hajj every year. They have no shame making money out of clearly haram sources, or swindling other people, or holding back from making their payments, or whatever else, and then they want to wipe the slate clean by going to Hajj. Allah Azza wa is commenting on this corruption, and is saying Ramadan is supposed to transform you in every sense, not just the spiritual sense. It's supposed to transform you in the ethical sense, in the moral sense. Now a little, little dig, a, a, a deeper dig inside of this ayah. لا تأكلوا أموالكم بينكم بالباطل. There's a duality that Ibn Ashur, Imam Razi, others also recognized about this ayah, because when it literally translates, don't consume your own monies. Don't eat your own monies. First of all, with money, you don't think about eating, you think about spending. لا تنفقوا أموالكم Right? But Allah says, لا تأكلوا أموالكم الأكل, there's a tashbih here, there's actually a, an imagery being drawn here, and it picks up from what we just heard. The ayat right before I just told you are about what? Ramadan. In which we don't eat. And so speaking of not eating, don't eat each other's monies either. Just like you're not eating as I tell you not to eat, it's time for you not to eat each other's monies. And by the way, eating is only done when you have an appetite. So the idea of greed being paralleled with hunger, like human beings want more money for themselves, and actually the, 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 the desire for money and greed is actually even more powerful than hunger, because people want more money even when their stomach is full. Even when they have a house, even when they have a car, even when everything is taken care of, you still want more. The hiss doesn't stop. The, the greed doesn't stop. So Allah compares it to an unsatiated, unfulfilled kind of hunger. And then He says, amwalakum, your own monies. This is a very powerful statement. Because it has again a duality in meaning. Allah could be talking about my own money, the money I have in my bank, or the money that I have in my savings, or my property. You could be talking to me about my own funds. And he's also talking about the money that we share as a community. Meaning, just like you are protective of your own wealth, you're supposed to be protective of the wealth of others as well. Because this ummah, this believing ummah, is actually ummatan wahida. It's one single ummah. Rasulullah will describe it kajasad, like a single body. So when you think about cheating somebody else out of their money, it's like you're cheating yourself. It's like cheating yourself. And that's why iqtatalu is used, for example, when Muslims fight each other, the, the verbiage used in the Qur'an is they're fighting themselves. It's like, it's as stupid as fighting yourself. So cheating another believer is literally cheating yourself. That's the mentality we're supposed to develop. We're supposed to be as protective of the wealth of the other as we are of our own wealth. And that's the expression, amwalakum. Bainakum bil batil. Now among you using falsehood, let's understand that. The word batil can mean two things. Batil is the opposite of the Arabic word haqq could mean falsehood. 
So جاء الحق وزهق الباطل إن الباطل كان زهوقا Quran uses the word باطل in the sense of lies or falsehood But the Quran also uses حق باطل in the sense of purpose and lack of purpose So خلق السماوات والأرض بالحق Allah created the skies and the earth with purpose The word used there is باطل As a matter of fact when the believer realizes that the entire universe has been created for purpose The believer turns to Allah in the Quran and says ربنا ما خلقت هذا باطلا You didn't create this purposelessly so the word batil refers to two things. On the one hand, it refers to falsehood. On the other hand, it refers to purposelessness, uselessness. Now, let's look at both implications. The first implication is don't eat each other's money using lies, falsehood, corruption, cheating. Don't tell someone you will deliver the product and you have no intention of delivering the product. Don't get the, don't agree to this price and then not pay that price. Don't become a contractor and say, yeah, yeah, I can finish this house or I can finish this room. This is the budget. No problem. It will be done in two weeks. And then it will be done in six months. And you know, there were some things I didn't realize that the price has quadrupled. This is bad. This is, you know, this is corruption. But there's another d- dimension that, that's obvious, right? Don't be corrupt with each other in your dealings and don't eat each other's money using falsehood. This, this kind of thing I've spoken to you, especially in this congregation about before. But the other implication of batil is purposelessness. Don't eat up each other's monies on things that have no purpose. Don't squander and waste wealth. That's actually also a great source of corruption in society. The mutrafin in the Qur'an, the people of excessive wealth are described as having as spending on things that have no purpose. And you know when a society makes money above the bare sustenance level, like they make more money than they need to survive and they have extra savings, then the mind starts spinning, what more can I spend on, right? And you start spending on frivolous things, useless things. At the top of that list is things like entertainment. You start spending more and more money on entertaining yourself. Like people going to expensive concerts or like you know, going to like, you know, exotic theme parks and things like that or whatever it is, right? Or I want to go on a trip to Disney World or I want to see Hollywood myself or whatever, you know? These kinds of things. Or you're just addicted to movie after movie. You're just paying, you know, money on, on top of money on top of money to watch more and more and more and more. Now when that happens, you, you think, oh, what's the big deal? I'm just entertaining myself. But actually, you're supporting an entire industry that creates corruption. Right, that creates purposelessness and feeds purposelessness to the rest of society. You actually become part of that industry. As a consumer of that industry, and as a heavy consumer of that industry, I would add, that you're actually a supporter of that industry. You become part of that industry. And that creates batil in society, falsehood in society. If our young kids, for example, are spending 16 hours, you know, 8, eight 10, 16 hours on a video game, immersed completely, you know, they get lost in that world. And the, you know, the mind is a, is a, is a crazy thing, especially a young mind. When they're immersed in that kind of entertainment all the time, this is the kind of young mind that has no time to think, رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا my, my, my Rabb, you didn't create this without purpose. They don't look at the sky and the tree outside and ponder and reflect. They're no longer capable of that because all of their intellectual capacity is spent on getting a 100% synchronization in some game, or earning a trophy, or being ranked number one online, or whatever it is. That's where all the, all the capacity goes. So, on the, there's two implications here. One, don't be corrupt and eat each other's money. And two is don't spend money wastefully. And these two things are actually hand in hand. Because when enough of a society becomes absorbed in wasteful spending, that actually means they're self-absorbed. They're self-absorbed. And when enough of a society is self-absorbed, then corruption can happen all around them and they won't raise a finger. 
they won't ever raise their voice because they've already been turned into zombies. These two things actually go hand in hand. So you'll find horrible levels of political, economic, and social corruption taking place in our societies. You might even get the news feed, or you might get people saying, sign this petition, or this or that or the other. But then you're like, ah, but I was watching a video with cats playing a piano. So I'm going to go back to that. You're, 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 you can't, you can't invest yourself now in standing up for haq because you're too engrossed in batil, in purposelessness. So, you know, falsehood spreads when purposelessness spreads. These two things are interconnected. Anyway, Allah Azza wa Jal now takes the next level. What's the next level of corruption that takes place in a society? It's such, such a progressive ayah, subhanAllah. لَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَتُدْلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ and in doing so, the, the second la is not mentioned, so it becomes a kind of bayan. So, tudlu, I will explain the Arabic word for, to you first. Al-idla in Arabic is actually from dalu. Dalu means a bucket. And a bucket is filled with water and it's slowly pulled up. And buckets were also used for, you know, trapping animals. So you put a carrot or something inside a bucket, you've got a rope, and the animal comes close to it, and you slowly pull the bucket, and the animal's kind of really moving from its position. This is the imagery of trapping someone or getting someone to move from their position, drawing them and attracting them. Allah says, don't use these false monies, these wasted monies, and also these monies earned from corrupt means to draw in rulers. Don't use these monies, you know, by means of them, you draw closer to the rulers. Al-Hukam. Now what is this rulers? It's not just referring to governors and judges, even though that's the case. Okay, it's thing, things are okay now. That's okay, that's okay. Be patient. So, alhamdulillah, by the way, just on a side note, children are gonna cry. That's a normal part of life. So don't be angry at the parent or for them to be here. Rasulullah wasallam used to hear children cry while he was leading the prayer and he used to shorten his prayer. instead of give, And then he didn't finish the prayer and give a khutbah about keep your children at home. He didn't do that. So it's okay. And we shouldn't get upset at kids when they cry. Or when they make noise. And so we should all learn to be patient about that. And that's from the sunnah of our messenger wasallam. In any case, biha ilal hukam. Don't draw rulers in, meaning don't use money to seduce those who are going to judge over you. Sometimes that judge is not just a supreme court judge or a civil court judge or a trial judge or something. Sometimes this is also a family member who's going to make judgment between people. He's a hakim also. Sometimes somebody's gonna do an arbitration between two parties. He's a hakim also. And you kind of butter him up from the side a little bit. Or he says, well, I have to make a judgment. You know, two brothers are having an argument. One of them is a millionaire, and the other one works on minimum wage. And you're supposed to make the, the judgment between them. You're like, I don't think I should go against the millionaire because I was hoping he'd help me out later. If I go against him, then later on he's not gonna like me very much. And he's gonna actually invite you over for dinner and say, hey, so, you know, what are you thinking? And you're eating at his expensive you know, dining table, and you're eating the exotic food and thinking, yeah, I probably shouldn't mess with this guy. The other guy, I mean, you know, what's he gonna do? You know? So you, when you're in a position of even passing your opinion, you, sometimes just you giving your opinion, you're in a position of a hakim. But at the highest levels, this can be, this can be meant for governments, you know, rulers. That's why even in the United States, you have laws about lobbyists, right? And how they can't, there's only so much they can do, and how many politicians get in trouble for it? Gifts they receive. This is literally the expression in the Qur'an, تُدْلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ You just draw in rulers towards yourselves. Reel them in towards yourselves using money. The ultimate form of corruption. 
لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ Oh, strange language in the Qur'an, beautifully strange. He says, so you can consume a, a, a broken off faction, a broken off piece from the monies of people. Allah could have said, حَظًّا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ نَصِيبًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ You know, جُزْءًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ A portion has many words in Arabic. Allah chose the word فريق. لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِالْإِثْمِ The word فريق suggests something that is, you know, separated completely. In other words, using policy, using government, using judgment, using the law, you manipulate those who can't help themselves, and you completely cut them off from the money that they were entitled to, so that they can't ever touch it again. It's actually, إِفَارَقْتَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَبَيْنَ أَمْوَالِهِمْ وَلِتَكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنَ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ And this is the monies of the people suggesting that the corruption isn't just about two people having an argument. Eventually this thing grows enough that you have corrupt businesses that can then seduce governments. And then by seducing the governments, they can get discounts, subsidiaries, they can get tax advantages and things. Those tax advantages, those savings that these billion dollar corporations get, who are they taking the money from? They're taking the money from the people. They're actually bleeding the people. That's what they're doing. And nobody sees it. It's all done behind closed doors. But it's actually people that are being bled dry. Their tax monies are being taken. And so this, what seems like a very basic statement from thousands of years ago in the Qur'an, is still extremely applicable. لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِالْإِثْمِ Using, using you know, in sinful ways, إِثْمِ actually from أَثَامِ means a penalty. Meaning they're doing so in a way that will cost them a great penalty. And this is worthy of a, t- a terrible penalty. And you very well know. You're very well aware of what you're doing. In this one brief ayah, Allah Azza wa Jal has actually given us a very powerful set of instructions. And so I want to, on the one hand, not just bash corrupt businesses and governments that are in the billions. I want to start with ourselves. Ourselves, we have issues. We number one, we have to you know, change the way we do business with each other. We have to change the way we, we conduct our money matters. With those of you that have jobs, that are being paid to provide a particular service, be honest at your job. Provide the service you promise that you'll provide. Those of you that are in businesses like the construction business, or you run a car mechanic thing, or whatever else, you are const- you constantly have an opportunity to shortchange your customer. To, to tell them they need a new transmission when they, all they needed was an oil change. To tell them that their entire, you know, their, their, the house's foundation is gone, you need a new foundation, while all they needed was a new plank of wood on the side. You can do that, because they'll believe you. They'll believe you. You're constantly in a position to eat people's money using falsehood. That's the first thing that we have to now become aware of. Because if you haven't learned that, then there was no point to this Ramadan. There was no point in praying and fasting and making dua to Allah and Nothing about the way your greed hasn't been taken away. You can control your hunger, you can control your thirst, but you couldn't control your hunger for money. You know? And then what's the point then? That's the graduation into the next phase. That's what we're supposed to learn to do. So that's the first bit of advice that comes out of these ayat. The second bit of advice, the underscore of these ayat, and particularly this phrase, وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ is actually to be mindful of the fact that when we spend money, there are people in our own families, there are people in our circles, there are people in our communities that are worthy of assistance. They need help. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy new clothes for yourselves. I'm not saying you should never entertain yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying be mindful of the fact that there are people in need around you. And, and very close to you. You don't have to look very far to find people in need. And when you spend money on things that don't really have a purpose 
then actually think about the fact that according to Allah, that was their money. You know? One of the most powerful expressions I've ever read, it just changed my thinking about how the Qur'an talks about spending on, on people in need. Is وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَىٰ طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَىٰ طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ You know, it's incredible because Allah Azza wa Jal didn't say وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَىٰ إِطْعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ إِطْعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ You would translate, He doesn't encourage feeding the poor. He doesn't encourage feeding the poor. But Allah said وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَىٰ طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ Ta'am means the food, not feeding. In other words, if you say, I don't encourage feeding, you're going out of your way to feed somebody else. But if you say he doesn't encourage to give the food of the poor, when you say food of the poor, it actually is their food. It's theirs, it's not yours. You're not feeding them, you're giving them what is actually already theirs. This is haqqul ma'loom what the Qur'an calls. A known right, a declared right that they already have. So being mindful of that within our own families especially, whether your family is here or they're abroad, whether you have people in, in, your, in your circle, and it's just not limited to family, even friends. Some of your friends have lost a job, they're in trouble. You know, they're having a hard time paying the rent. They're not saying anything to you. You ask every once in a while, hey, how's the job hunt going? They say, yeah, still looking. Well, they don't, they're not gonna say, I can't pay the rent. They're not gonna come to you and say that. You should have the sensitivity to just write a check, sign it, and leave it under the plate when you go for iftar or something and just don't bring it up again. Just do it for them. That kind of thing. So to develop that sensitivity to the people around us, that will remove from us the the falsehood in spending, the wastefulness in spending, and consuming our money among each other. And by the way, بَيْنَكُمْ The last implication of it that I'd like to share with you, by use of the phrase بَيْنَكُمْ A powerful implication that comes from it is that we encourage each other on the wrong thing too. We create a culture in which one group of people spends wastefully, and then the other says, hey, they did it, we gotta do it too now. They, they got that, we should get it too. They got a new car, when are we gonna get a new car? You know? And then with corruption also. If they do corruption, why can't we do corruption? Everybody does it. And people develop this mentality that they lean on each other and say, it's okay for me to do the wrong thing because there are plenty of other people doing it too. It's not like I'm the root of the problem. There's plenty of other people already doing it. I'm just one drop in a moving river. Right? So you can't hold me responsible. This is exactly what Allah is pointing to. You don't create this culture among yourselves. And if you're the only one that's gonna stand straight, so be it. You be the only one. You be the odd one out. But be that. And that's the, that's the lesson of Ramadan that we should come out with. May Allah Azza wa Jal accept our fasting and make us of those who make the most of this month, whatever is left of this month. May Allah Azza wa Jal overlook our shortcomings in this month. May Allah Azza wa Jal accept the rizq that we earn as halal and tayyib, as, as permissible and good and pure for ourselves and our families. May Allah Azza wa Jal make us of those who don't have hesitation in spending on others and make us of those who Keep away from using their money for purposeless things. Barakallahu li walakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa' wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazina astafa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatamin nabiyyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد نقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد 
اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا مبوتا